All right, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you. I want to welcome all who are also tuning in from um, home to our streaming. Uh, I, I, I heard uh, my, my oldest is sick in her dorm room now, and uh, she should be watching as well. So hi, Stella. Yeah, shout out to her. All right. Uh, today we'll be hearing from one of our pastoral interns, uh, Pastor Andrew, and uh, I, I was really blessed during our first service. It'll be uh, really a, a great message for all of you to hear. Uh, it's partly also a personal testimony as well as a, uh, a mission report, so uh, I'm looking forward to hear, hearing him again. God's word comes to us today from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 through chapter 13, verse 7. So let's pay attention now to God's word. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is God's word. Grass withers the flower phase, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning. I uh, wanted to take this time to welcome a newcomer. Uh, if you could raise your hand, and we'll, we'll acknowledge you. Uh, Rebecca, no, it's her first time. She came with Grace Sean. If you could raise your hand, please. Yes. All right. Welcome to our church. So glad you can join us this morning. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. So <clears throat> in the beginning at 9 a.m., I was so, I don't know why, I was so nervous. And then um, <laughs> Pastor Paul did the scripture reading, and his voice cracked. And I just, all the nervousness was gone after that point. So I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, actually, right now, I'm feeling a little uh, low on energy. I thank our staff so much. So originally, the plan was I was supposed to do uh, announcements, tithe, prayer, scripture reading, and preach. So I thank God that I'm just responsible for preaching today. Um, it's a joy and a pleasure for me to be here with you, and I pray that God would be uh, blessing you through our uh, message this morning. So let's get right into it. The title of today's message is Love Looks Like. Love Looks Like. You know, I think one of the hardest things to define is love. I mean, what is love? Let me describe it this way. You know it when you see it, and you see it when you know it. Can you say that with me? You know it when you see it, you see it when you know it. I know, it's vague, so let me try to describe what it may look like. 
You see, I have been to many weddings, and the order of them follows a very similar flow. What passage is the most referred to in all of these marriage ceremonies? Take a wild guess. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, it's made to be this beautiful commitment and romantic commitment made between lovers, and it absolutely is that. We know it when we see it. He really loves her. She really loves him. And we look at that and say, oh, yeah, that's love. We love this type of love, do we not? We may categorize this as an eros type of love, a romantic, a passionate type of love. Let me name just some shows for you. The Bachelor. Love is on a spectrum. Singles Inferno. I personally am a rom-com type of guy, so I love How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Man, the chemistry between Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey, can't beat it. We love the love displayed in K-dramas, right? We eat this stuff up. When a new one comes on, we go, ooh, save that on my watch list. During COVID, I was on the K-drama train. There was a flurry of them that I had to watch. I watched Crash Landing on You, Itaewon Class, all the other good ones. And you know what I discovered? Koreans are really good at tapping into your feels. It's all about the nukims. You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know, it's okay. It's not that relevant. But this is just a small portion of what love is because love can be between friends and family, even strangers. We may categorize this as a phileo type of love, a brotherly affection. Love stretches beyond borders, ethnicity, race, age, and gender. Love is showing honor, giving gifts to show appreciation and thoughtfulness. You know it when you see it. And you see it when you know it. But what actually is the definition of love? Because again, I could describe more of what it looks like. Love looks like a mother who tirelessly stays up late into the evening to feed and tend their newborn child. Love looks like somebody taking care of a family member who has been going through ongoing health struggles. Love looks like church, volleyball, fellowship, after Sunday service, or during the week, this new craze called pickleball. I saw the picture this past week. I was very encouraged, and I just thought, where's the invite? <laughs> it's okay. It's not a real sport. Ah, it is. I'm sorry. It is, a, it is a real sport. I apologize. Love likes a community coming to pray together for an urgent manner that needs the hand of God to move very quickly. Love looks like a community of Native Americans showing thanks to a group of Koreans from Northern Virginia. But what is love? We'll get into this definition. Our main point for this morning is love is humbly looking inward and outward to see the most excellent way. So we get to our first point. Love is humbly looking inward to ask why we do the things we do. The Apostle Paul is giving us a clarification, even a warning. Our passage tells us that if we do things without love, it means nothing. 
Let me repeat that. You can have all of these gifts that he lists, speaking in the tongues of men and of angels, having prophetic powers, understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, having all faith so as to remove mountains, giving away all you have, delivering up your body to be burned. But if you don't have love, it means nothing. This is a very strong statement. It may actually offend you. Because it tells us that we can serve the very church of God, but if our actions are not driven by love, we have nothing. There is a great danger here that we should all be aware of. And if you are simply going through the motions of life without the intention of love, we can drift towards meaninglessness. So what is this passage telling us? that we should ask ourselves what our motives are in what we do. So do you occasionally ask yourself, why do I do the things I do? The Apostle Paul is calling us to make a self-intent evaluation. He is asking us, do you occasionally stop and ask yourself about your motives? Do you do things out of duty and obligation? Or do you do things because of the acclaim and the recognition? These are some good things to dwell upon. And I think the great sign of maturity is somebody who is introspective. I found that those who grow older without occasionally looking inward for evaluation can become greater and intensified versions of themselves. What do I mean by this? Well, I think one of our KM elders put it very well when he told me one time. He said, you know, money, money doesn't actually change people. Money makes you more of an exaggerated version of who you are. So if you are generous and all of a sudden you have money, you are now more generous. And if you are stingy and you have more money, you are now more stingy. And I think that likewise, time without being introspective or if you grow older without humility you can be more of an exaggerated version of who you are, and you can be more set in your ways without knowing. But the opposite of that and a sign of maturity is when someone is willing to look at their own motives and in their own heart as they get older, and this is a very rare thing to find. I'll be sharing a lot of stories that I experienced in Colville. Uh, so one of my responsibilities was I had to preach in the evenings, and on one particular day, I preached on what it means to have a childlike faith. And there were many missionaries there, all of which were in their elder age, plus 65 years old, serving us, serving us meals during the day, missionaries there long term. And there was a couple, Mark and Debbie, and they were helped serving us food during the trip. And uh, me and some youth kids were in the room a little late at night, and then he kind of, Mark kind of harshly told us to leave. Uh, and then I didn't think, I don't think he knew that I was in that group, but I think, you know, we glanced and he noticed me. And uh, if you know about this trip, I didn't get any sleep. So I was up like 3, 4 a.m., and then I went to this main building where they were making us breakfast, and I was doing QT. And out of nowhere, Mark comes, pulls up a chair, sits beside me, looks me in the eye, and says, I couldn't help but notice, but were you in that group that I was a little harsh to last night? And I said, yeah. And he said, can you, can you forgive me? I ask for your forgiveness. Um, I was very blessed by the message, and I, 
I'm just asking for you to forgive me. And the whole time I'm like, you, you have nothing to forgive, ask for my forgiveness for. And the whole time I'm in shock because I've never seen a man that age ask me for forgiveness. After that encounter, you notice a noticeable change in his demeanor and in his attitude. He was always smiling, happy, generous. I saw that and I said, man, love is making the first move to apologize. When an older man comes to a younger man and seeks to ask forgiveness, I cannot tell you how valuable that is. And I looked at that man and I said, I want to be like that when I get older. Love humbles you to look inward. And that's really hard, especially if you're trying to put it into action. You know, love sometimes looks like the extreme patience of someone while this other person has no idea. I think it's appropriately funny how the first thing that is mentioned is that love is patient and kind. Because, I mean, how hard is it to be patient and kind, especially when the other person receiving the patience and kindness is not patient and kind. I mean, does the other person know how patient and kind I'm trying to be right now? And yet we are still called to be patient and kind. We are not to be envious or to be boastful. We are not to be arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It is not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. I look at this and think, man, it's describing everything that I am not. This is not in my nature. It says that love does not insist on its own way. I mean, how many of us are guilty of that? Something profound was said to me recently, and it was the context of something, you know, saying something that you might regret in a situation, or maybe to those that think they should always have the last word to say in an argument. You know, very rarely do you regret not saying something. You know, you think, oh, man, I wish I could have said something, but you don't. But your regret is inward. No one else knows what you were trying to say. But you do regret things you do say. At times you think, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. And the regret is inwards, and it is now outwards because other people are involved. You know, this is why people sometimes look at Christians and they judge us with greater strictness in speech because we don't just represent ourselves, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of Jesus Christ. And I say, wow, that is a great responsibility. What an honor. You get to represent Jesus Christ to other people? I hope you don't take that very lightly. On many occasions in repentance and looking at all these things that I am not, Lord, I have not been these very descriptions of love that you call me to be, but sanctify me so that not only can I do these things of love, but that it would be the aim for my life. Consider this, friends. We have many aspirations in our life. Maybe you are a future planner. You like to plan things ahead of time, year, three years, five years, ten years. You know, after high school is college. After college is working. After that, you get married. After that, you have kids. Then you get a house. You have all of these things lined up. But when was the last time you set a spiritual goal for yourself? In five years, I want to be much more patient and kind. In 10 years, I want to be less rude and irritable. In 15 years, 
I want to continue to consistently serve the Lord where I'm serving. These are spiritual goals. I think it's helpful if we would write them down. I know it's a big thing that Pastor Paul always gives us when he gives us the New Year's resolutions. I think it's very helpful to map out how you can grow as a person in character and integrity. Speaking of goals put into actions, our second point, love is humbly looking outward to see the needs of others. This is our love for neighbor. You see, love is not thinking less about yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Did you catch that? Love is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. Wait a minute. Didn't you just say that we ought to be introspective, and now you're saying we should think of ourselves less? Yes. You are to look at yourself to see how you can grow in humility and maturity, and you are to look outside of yourself to demonstrate that very humility and maturity, because being humble should lead you to action. Love is getting outside of yourself. Maybe you are always thinking about you, always thinking about your ways, your needs. Did you know that even low self-esteem and self-pity can be a form of selfishness and pride because it is directed inward just in a negative context? And so how do you get out of this way of thinking selfishly? Is it through people telling you to stop being selfish? Uh, that might work, but I don't think that lasts very long. I think that you get out of your selfishness when you surround yourself with people that demonstrate selflessness. People who aim to serve, love others, whether that be a verbal encouragement or a physical means of service. I think about the church in Acts, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching gathering together, breaking bread, selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing to the poor as any had need, and day by day praising God and giving thanks. And the Lord was added to their number day by day. When you see selflessness, you want to be selfless yourself. So we were in Colville, and uh, one of our responsibilities was to do VBS. We did construction, we did painting, we did VBS. We ran two VBSs a day for four straight days, and we got to meet some of these wonderful kids. And to give you some context, these kids that we met are struggling with different things than kids here. So the first day, in walks this kid. He can't be more than six or seven years old, and he walks in with his brother, who can't be more than three to four years old. Older brother's name is Wombly. Younger brother's name is Xavier. And so they sit down, we give them snacks, and him being such a good older brother, he gives snacks to his younger brother first. And me and Keith, Keith, great man, wonderful with kids. So we sat down together with these two boys, and as they were coloring, we tried to strike conversation with them. And Keith asked, when is your birthday? And he said, sometime in March. And then Keith asked him, what is the greatest uh, birthday present that you've ever gotten? And he goes and says, a chocolate chip cookie with whipped cream. And I remember I just look at Keith and I go, that's the best thing he's ever gotten. That's the best thing he's ever gotten. 
And he didn't say it begrudgingly. He didn't say out of spite. He said, chocolate chip cookie with a whipped cream. And later we were talking about it, and Keith goes, that's just a Tuesday for you and for me. You meet these kind of kids, and it's humbling. And the first thing he did was share snacks with his brother. You become the company you keep with. You are the company who you keep company with. You think about your close friend groups. What are your close friends like? You are like each other. You have the same interests. You grow together, and you find that you have many similarities that you grow in likeness together. We think about our CGs coming up. We think about our DGs coming up. And I look at our Colville mission team and see this demonstration of love. I see the people we served, and I see love. This trip was very special to me. I'll bet it wasn't easy. It was not perfect. So I'm trying to sell you on this trip, but it was not easy, right? These moments come when we're the most frustrated, when we're the most tired, but they come. And love was displayed in many facets. Love displays selflessness. You know, when you go on a missions trip, I want to give you a fair warning. It is not a vacation. You don't go to enjoy the sights. You don't go to enjoy the experience and the good food. You go to serve the people 24-7. And there we were able to meet some long-term missionaries, Jeff and Cheryl. And bless their hearts, they thanked us for coming. They, there was a night in the last evening where they showered us with gifts. Why would they give us gifts? And they were calling people one by one to receive their gifts. And I don't know why, but they called me, and then they gave me this towel. They didn't have to. And they said, you know, we just picked these out, but I thought this would be great for you because there's a cross, and it's perfect because it's black and white. I'm very black and white. But they gave me that. And then she just gave me an encouragement for preaching on all those Sundays or all the evenings. And she said, you know, may the Lord grant you humility with every encouragement and pat on the back that you get. And I said, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. If you're wondering why I'm wearing these bracelets, these are bracelets that these kids made for me with BBS. They're going to break one day, but I'm trying to preserve them for as long as I can. Love is selfless. Love displays boldness. There was fruit during the trip and after the trip. I had two prayer requests before I left, and one was this. So we had 34 members in our team, and we left. When we touched the ground, we had to have travel group arrangements as we dispersed into six rented vehicles. I can't tell you how hard it is to rent a vehicle at this time of age, but it was hard, and yet we still got them. And there was a last-minute change because there was two youth boys who were put into my car. And my prayer request was before I left, may they great, get a great experience from this trip. May they be blessed by the Lord. Little did I know that before the trip, they probably wouldn't consider themselves Christian. But after the trip, they changed. I had a meal with a couple of them, 
and one of them, I asked how was his first week of school, being in high school as a 10th grader, and then he, he, he mentioned how one of his classmates reached out and sent him, texted him a Bible verse after, and he was like, oh, it's cool that, you know, this guy's Christian, and I was like, that's so random that he texted you a Bible, like, how does he know that you're Christian? He said, well, in the beginning of class, we had introductions, and so we went around and kind of described how our summers were, and... Um, he said his name, my name is Yada Yada, and he said, I love Jesus Christ. I don't think you understand. As a 10th grader in public school, that takes some guts to say. And he had an assignment, you know, sum up your experience in six words. I am saved through Jesus Christ. You know it when you see it. You see it when you know it. I see this and it humbles me because all of these things mentioned are just reflections, demonstrations of love, which point to the ultimate source. Our third point. Love is humbly seeing the most excellent way. We look inside of us, outside of us to understand love, but we can only just see in part. There is an eros love, a phileo love, and then there is agape love. That is unconditional love, distinct. It is the love that is referred to our passage this morning. So what is love? God is love. God is love. There is one way, truth, life, one love, and it is God. Love looks like coming into the world as a man and facing temptation yet without sin. Love is looking upon the crowds and having compassion on them because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Love is seeing you from a long way off and running to pursue you. Love is being draped and nailed upon a cross for you and for me. Love is being raised from the grave and conquering death forever. Amen. Love looks like God. Love is God. The unconditional, steadfast, passionate, zealous love of God. And we can have any semblance and knowledge of love because God is love. In 1 John it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. 
we love because God first loved us. And there is no greater love than this, that a friend lay down his life for his other friends, and he calls you and me friend. And as friend, the Lord calls us to humbly submit and to follow him. May we be humbled by the love of God that continues to shower mercy and grace each day that we wake up. And may we walk in a lifestyle of love with clear purpose and a goal to love God. In Deuteronomy, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. All these things that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. We are to love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. Before I left our trip, I wanted to encourage the missionaries there because I was just so struck by the fact that, man, we're only here for nine days. I get to leave. I get to go back to my comfortable life, but you guys will be staying here, still doing the work as we speak. And I wanted to encourage them because as short-term missionaries come, they are encouraged to endure and to keep pressing on to serve the Lord because it gets lonely out there if you're by yourself, you're around a different culture, people you don't know, people who don't actually want you to be there, you're under spiritual warfare, it's a hard life. But I wanted to encourage them with our last verse in our passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things. I wanted to thank them for showing me the meaning of that verse in real life. And one thing I always ask of God during a trip is, how are you going to humble me this time? And he chose to do it for me on the last day. It was a lot. It was a lot to do all of these things. But in our last day, we did a picnic, a barbecue, so we brought meat over and we cooked it for them so that the whole community could come. And during that time, a grandmother who was saved, her son who was saved, his grandchildren, her grandchildren who are saved, three generations saved. Through our trip for coming consistently over the years, and they expressed thanks to us. And during the time, you know, if a whole community comes, what is the most important thing when you have kids? Child care. So, uh, one of the kids, she, she looked at me, she recognized me from BBS, and she asked me to push her on the swing. And I recognized her as my heart broke because a few of the days, her mom would drop her off and forget to pick her up. Um, 
And so she asked me to push her on the swing. How could I say no? So we went over to the swing. And she was having a great time pushing her. She's smiling. And I, I can tell that maybe four or five other kids had FOMO because all of a sudden they came over. And they all chose to be very spread out on this very big swing set. So I run, push, run, push, run, push. And, you know, their smiles are just giving me the energy to push. But in the whole time, in the back of my mind, I'm like, where are these youth kids right now? Why are they not helping me? Do they clearly not see I'm pushing four kids at a time? So I'm just like, oh, push, push, push. And, you know, that happened, and I reflected upon that a little bit, and I said, God, why, why did that happen? And he said to me, basically, you know, Andrew, you know you feel inadequate in ministry because you want to be everywhere at once, but you can't be. You're a single person, but I can be everywhere at once. I can love each child distinctly, uniquely, at all times because I'm God, and it brings me joy to see their joy. Finally, the grandmother who was saved through our trip, she wanted to show us thanks. We all stood in a circle together. And um, they have this tradition where, you know, she shakes hands with the person next to her, the next person follows her, the next person. So it's a constant, like, infinite loop of thanks. And if you know me, I'm not really into, like, public display of affection. I'm just, like, handshake, right? So I'm going around, shaking everyone's hand, shaking everyone's hand. And then I get to her son. Her son is Gabe. He's this big 6'4", intimidating Native American-looking man. And I go in for a handshake, and he just stretches out his arms. And we hug, and I say, Why would you hug me? I am a, I don't know you. I'm a Korean man from Northern Virginia. You are an Indian man from Washington State. Why are we embracing right now? And then it hit me, only the love of God could bring people like this together. And as he's embracing me, God was telling me and showing me, Andrew, you see our relationship as very transactional. You see me as your master. I am you see yourself as my servant, it's transactional. You want a handshake, but I want a hug because I am your heavenly father. How amazing God's love. Love looks like the revival of your life. And I think I got that from this trip. Because you know it when you see it. You see it when you know it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that you share with us and that it is so unique, unconditional, so special. There is no love like your love. We ask you, if we don't know what that's like, to reveal that to us in a real and tangible way so that the words in this book and scripture are not just words on a page, but life-giving words, because it is the very word of God, a God who is love. You define love. 
You understand it. It is in your nature. It is in your being. And we can understand it as we understand you. Help us to be a church, a body, a community that seeks to look inward to love, to look outward to love, to see more fully the most excellent way, which is you. Give us guidance. Teach us how to have spiritual goals for our life. Let us not be stagnant in this context and in this area, for the distractions and everything else that pulls us aside are so strong. Keep our eyes fixed upon the cross of Jesus Christ. I know it's hard for many of us as we are drained from our work week and we come to Sunday looking for just a drink from the well, but we pray for everlasting grace to overflow us again so that we may be passionate and zealous to serve you in all walks of life. Father, we thank you for your word, your truth, your love. And so in this time, may we respond with thanks and prayer.